<laughs> well, hello, everyone, and welcome to TW Now. We're glad to have you with us on our program today. Earth Day is held on April 22nd. It's held worldwide to celebrate the planet and to support its protection. Does the Earth, though, really need to be saved? Is our Earth really in danger from global warming, greenhouse gases, uh, coal burning, <coughs> nuclear reactors, oil drilling and fracking? Do we really have a problem? Should we really care? What is our responsibility toward our planet and what is our obligation toward God? Uh, this program will grapple with these issues and provide a sound-minded approach towards the topic of our part in the future of our planet. I'd like to introduce our guests for today. Uh, today we have with us Mr. Dexter Wakefield, a regular guest on our program. So uh, thank you for being with us today, Mr. Wakefield. Glad to be here. Uh, also, Dr. Winnale. Dr. Douglas Winnale has written on the topic of environmental issues and uh, in particular uh, an article in, our mag in the Tomorrow's World magazine titled, How Will the Earth Be Restored? So again, welcome Dr. Winnale. You're welcome. Thank you. <coughs> and I should mention for all of our, our viewers, um, if you do like our program, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe and, uh, and click like and all those things that we do on the social media. Uh, we're certainly glad to have you with us and uh, share the program with your friends. So to the question at hand, do we have a problem? <coughs> Dr. Winnell. You know, we look out our windows sometime and if we can see a fence behind us and it comes through, we may not think we have a problem. And yet there was a study done in 1997 where about 1,700 scientists issued a dire warning, said our ecosystems are in danger. That was in 1997. 25 years later, 15,000 scientists said the trends are still in the wrong direction. And they concluded their report saying that human beings and the natural environment are on a collision course. Is this a historic problem? In other words, okay, is this something that is just uh, in recent years and we're, we recognize this? Or is, is, this, is this something that, that mankind struggles with in terms of caring for our, our Earth? Is this well, you know, in, in, in the past, even if, even if you go back to ancient times, you'll see situations where there was deforestation of large areas of the earth where um, uh, perhaps whole forests were cleared out for purposes of building or shipbuilding and things like that, particularly in the Middle East in the early industrialization and when mankind started doing that. So we've seen that. We've seen the complete loss of wildlife in many parts of the Middle East and other parts of the world. So uh, we can see the trend developing and as populations increase and as economies increase, it's been accelerating in recent um, times. So, so it's, we're not, it's, this is not a made up problem when we talk about in, environmentalism or concern for the, envir the environment. Um, it seems to be a, a, a human problem. Any other thoughts historically, uh, Dr. Winnell? You know, it seems like we don't get excited about anything until we see a big crisis developing. You know, I was teaching environmental courses back in the 60s and the 70s. And uh, that was one of the things that drove it at that time, oil spills and things like We were in California, uh, there was an oil spill out there and they were picking up dead birds and all kind of things like that. But those things kind of drove things. But you go back to the Romans in North Africa, uh, other places, uh, things were dis destroyed. We were talking the other day uh, in preparation for this, and uh, we were talking about in the Bible how the cedars of Lebanon are referred to, where there, there are no cedars in Lebanon today, I guess. You, a few, you, a there few. are a few. Okay, a few. they're not, mm -hmm. not like they're worth in those days. 
So it's, uh, this seems to be, it's not something that's new in terms of man's, uh, what man's impact on, on, on the earth. Oh, okay, let's, let's bring it forward. What about, what about the very recent times? I mean, is it, um, is it, is it a concern? I mean, is it a true concern for people to worry about uh, nuclear power and fracking and coal and this type of thing? Or, or is it something that is only, uh, is only a problem for developing countries? Um, how should we think about, about this today in terms of some of those issues? You know, awareness of the problem is really a big issue and it's something that I think in some of the more developed countries has uh, gone along a whole lot faster than maybe in the undeveloped countries. Uh, just want to mention something. Our viewers may be seeing the word, a particular word more and more. It's called externalities. It's a term that economists use, but in this context, it means the costs of production that are not covered by production. For instance, if you produce toxic waste in order to produce your, um, your particular product, uh, you want to save the money for uh, disposing of that, just dump it into a creek somewhere. And that was done for a long, long time. In our country, we've, and in a lot of the, the Western or modern nations, we've had a lot more awareness of this problem as our industries have grown. But in the undeveloped world, they don't have the wealth to deal with these things. Uh, we're aware of it, we're doing more about it, but in other parts of the world, it's not happening. And that's where uh, much of the issue is arising now. So the, the question then comes to mind, is: should we be concerned? Should Christians be concerned? Should Christians care? Uh, or is this sort of an external issue that has nothing to do with, um, with someone who would view themselves as a Christian? Dr. Well. You know, Christians uh, <clears throat> basically feel that they're following the Bible. Um, the Bible contains an awful lot of information about how to take care of the environment. But I think today, a lot of people are being told, you know, God doesn't exist, or if he does, it's in your imagination. Uh, we evolved. So we're not looking at the earth as God's creation. God created the earth. He said it was good. The Bible says that uh, the earth is the Lord's. Uh, if we're going to be Christians and follow biblical teachings, we need to approach the environment as God's creation to take care of it and not exploit it. So there, there is a Christian responsibility towards what God has, has created. Just to, just to add something to what Dr. Winnell said, he was right on point there. Uh, God created the earth. His uh, creation is an extraordinarily beautiful thing when you go out and see the elegance and the beauty of what he's done. It just You could pray for eyes to see all of the things that he's done and how beautiful they are and how extraordinary his creation is. He loves this creation and he would like for those who would have his character and his spirit to also see it as he does, to love it as he does. And I think that's a very important issue, a spiritual issue for God and for Christians everywhere, to love the creation and to want to maintain it and to dress it and keep it as God does. You know, another dimension too, a lot of people feel as Christians, we should just follow the New Testament. But we read in Revelation 18 verse 11, that when Christ returns, he's going to reward his saints, but he's going to destroy those who destroy the earth, mm -hmm. which gives us some insight how God views what's happening today. So then following that thought, should, uh, should we be involved in 
activism, environmental activism. So let's, let's switch gears. Maybe I should break off and uh, mention to, to our audience, if you have a question on this topic, um, frankly, on a topic we've covered in previous episodes, uh, those questions go ahead and, and fire up to us and we'll try to handle them perhaps at the end of the program or in a, uh, another program. But something in specific on this topic, please go ahead and put them in the Facebook uh, message box and we'll try to address them as we go through the program. But back to the issue at hand now. So we're talking about Earth Day and then, uh, I, think we can, um, I think we can agree that there's a problem and there's a Christian responsibility. Um, but what about the Earth Day thing? I mean, should we be out there marching with signs or uh, going and putting spikes in trees so uh, you know they'll, uh, trees will not be cut down? Or, or, or what, what is, uh, what is the, the, in the activism score, uh, are we on the right track to fix the problem? Just to mention, in the Living Church of God, we uh, deal with the spiritual aspects of these problems. Uh, we think the world's problems are spiritual, and as much as they try to do politically, whether they help uh, or not, uh, the underlying problems are what we want to deal with and expend our energy doing. On the other hand, what we as individuals do is another matter. Uh, that what God expects us to do to not pollute, uh, to do what we can ourselves, um, that would not necessarily be getting into political activity or political action with regard to these problems. Do, does it help? I mean, do these, do the, does it help to march in the streets about issues? I mean, or what um, does, it, has, does it really even help? Activism can help draw attention to the problem, but the, pro the, the causes of the problem run much deeper than that has to do with personal values, has to do with national values, national priorities. So it can help draw attention, but, uh, and it's, it's helped to bring uh, attention to some problems that we can pass legislation to bring about and to bring solutions like that. Uh, can you think of any examples even over the past uh, decades and here in our country, you know, where ch there's been a change in values or perception? Um, I've got. A, I have a favorite. I have a favorite. Um, I lived out in Miami for a number of years in South Florida for a long time, and a lot of environmental issues in Florida, as, as everyone knows. But I remember the Miami River, and it was bad. I mean, when when I was back down there in the early '70s, it was a cesspool. It was terrible. Uh, derelicts in it, garbage going in it, occasional body floating around. I mean, it was it was a very bad place. And since then. They've uh, been cleaning it up. There's been a lot of activism about it. It's a beautiful area now. There's condominiums and houses and parks all around it and, and yachts docked on, on as they go in and out. It's a beautiful area now. And that's just because there was awareness of the problem and a desire to do something about it. Uh, so there is a, a great deal uh, we can do. I mean, we've seen mining now. They're required to fill in the great big holes that they make and to mitigate the disaster <coughs> that they're doing. Um, um, all of these what we call externalities, they're saying, okay, you've got to pay for this now. You've got to put in your budget and to pay for this, and they make regulations and laws that require that in the U.S. In other parts of the world, uh, where the wealth and the will is not there, it's not the same. I'm not saying we're great, and, but the United States and Europe has been more of a leader in the matter. So, so there's nothing wrong with, with uh, uh, becoming aware and even changing values in terms of pollution and even encouraging others. I mean, if somebody uh, throws a, 
a, a can out the window or, or garbage out the window as they're driving along, um, say, uh, to, to call them a litter bug is not a, is not a problem. In other words, it's, there's, we, we, uh, as far as being politically involved, um, that's one thing, but as far as actually encouraging those around us to conserve and these things, this is um, this is not this is not something that we well because we believe in in the return of Jesus Christ to make all things right. Um, it's not wrong to try to do things for ourselves today. Would, I, are we on the same track here? We're on the same track. <laughs> I grew up in Ohio near Youngstown, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Akron, and it was actually a river. The Cuyahoga River actually caught on fire. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point because the steel mills were dumping all kind of things in, in the river. And again, with the legislation that's prevented some of those things, you provide financial incentives, you're going to get fined if this happens. So these things changed. Mm -hmm. These things changed. But again, we're dealing with why would people dump stuff in the river in the first place? And so, and why is that? What is, what is at the core when people, when people or companies do that type of thing. What's profit? What, pro profit. Well, well, cost reduction. Cost reduction. Cost, cost, they're not paying for their externalities. And that's that word again. They don't. Uh, it costs a great deal of money to dispose of all of that, and so they go ahead and dump it. Now we have laws and so forth against it, and mm -hmm. there's probably still a lot more to be done. But is that not a Christian value then? When we talk about greed and selfishness. I mean, there's a Christian value of loving your neighbor, and uh, so there. This is a matter of Christianity, wouldn't you say? I have to. I, I get a bit exercised about this because and loving God's world, the beauty of His world, and everything. If we say, you know, all of that's that's a really beautiful. Uh, uh, preserved area out there and I'm going to fill it with all kind of nonsense and put yeah. a lot of stuff in it that shouldn't be there. Uh, is that the mind of God? Is that the way he thinks? Is that his value? Or does he want to create in us the type of values and will that he has? And I think it's the latter is the answer. He wants yeah, to <clears throat> there's also biblical principles and I think it's in Deuteronomy where it talks about where to bury human waste. Mm -hmm. You don't dump it in a river. Mm -hmm. Remember, we walked around uh, the walls around a medieval city, town in North Wales, and their privy was along the edge of the wall, must have been a 24-seater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this was where the human waste went, and there was a water source right there. Mm -hmm. But this, this goes back to the what, 12, 1300s. Yeah. So the principle in the Bible was not being followed, and yet this was supposedly a Christian uh, settlement. You know, I, I'll bet most people don't think that, that uh, some of our, uh, let's say, our laws and our values of cleanliness in our country are because of this Judeo-Christian heritage that we have, uh, that we have, we have inherited even as a culturally as a people. Um, I, I have to say, I've been to parts of the world even in my lifetime where um, when you walk down a, a city street, there was a little, literally a wall that uh, men walked behind and they urinated against the wall. And uh, once every day, a big water truck would come up and would hose down that area. And as you said, it would hose it into the streets. Everyone stood there with their nose, holding their fingers to the nose quietly at the bus stop 30 feet up the road. But I think in our country, we don't we don't appreciate what it's like in other parts of the world that don't enjoy some of the environmental safeguards that, that we put into place. So it's easy to point a finger and say, ah, environmentalism or conserving or whatever, that's, uh, that's not important when we reap the benefits here in our country. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I got, got a little bit ahead of myself here, Dr. Winnell. You're talking about a developing country. We saw the same thing in a city in Switzerland. 
we saw a bunch of guys at night standing talking and then we saw the proprietors come around the next morning with the hose mm -hmm. and washed everything down this was a developed country mm -hmm. but they're not again switzerland was involved in the reformation yeah so we got preachers that were not preaching some of the things they should have been because that's old testament we don't need to talk about that anymore and yet those principles are there for guided for using the environment wisely He's right on about that, and uh, we, I guess you call that a Judeo-Christian ethic. A Judeo-Christian <laughs> ethic is what underlies many of our laws and attitudes and our approach towards public life is something that we got from English common law and developed along, but as we move away as a society from God and reject God, and the, the Bible is ridiculed now, we see people uh, ridiculing Christianity and talking about marginalizing it and so forth. Um, Christophobia is a national phenomenon these days. As we move away from that, we also move away from some of the core values. So uh, that could um, become more of a problem in, in the U.S. I hope we'll, we'll stay on the course of the values you're talking and about. And these core values then determine our actions. Mm -hmm. And we change core values, our actions change. Mm -hmm. can, we, can we get to the point where we begin to worship the earth and we begin to, in other words, the way we approach environmentalism becomes a worship as opposed to a proper care as God intended? Now, it looks like you have a, <laughs> have a book in mind. So let's the book, This is an older book, but the, the principle here and the title says, How to Rescue the Earth Without Worshiping Nature. Mm -hmm. And these tree huggers that we talk about, they're going to chain themselves to a tree so that they can't cut the tree down. This is emotionalism. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there's a wise way to manage the earth, to harvest trees just like you harvest anything else. But when you harvest them, you've got to replant. Yeah. Uh, we've got to work with the laws of nature, not against it, mm -hmm. and not break those laws of nature. Take it. Let's say, taking on the mind of God as opposed to idolatry and right. that type of thing. Right. And we're talking about godly values. Um, and, uh, and again, I, I, just, I hope someone who would consider themselves a Christian would not say, it doesn't matter, the environment doesn't matter because it's just all physical, but they would actually take care of it without becoming idolatrous. You know, but, you know, I think that the, the matter of, at least in some quarters, environmentalism has become a very spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that in the ancient world, uh, God was a woman. Mm. Uh, the main god of many of the cultures there was a female deity. Uh, the uh, goddess of the earth, they were agricultural societies, and she determined her, their goddess, you know, their crops and all of the, what happened to them. We hear about Baal and Ashtoreth and the fertility gods and so forth. Well, uh, some of this seems to be carrying over into Gaism, <coughs> uh, some of the worship of the earth. Now, there seems to be a, a spiritual void and a spiritual vacuum among many who have rejected the God of the Bible, but then it leaves an opening, an empty place, and they go out and they try to fill it with some of these really almost ancient ideas are popping back up again, and we're seeing this take on a religious, almost a religious and spiritual nature uh, connected with some of the things that we're talking about. It doesn't have to to solve the problems, but I think that's following up on what you were talking about. This is partly due to some of the early environmental writers back in the 60s, a fellow by the name of Lynn White, basically blamed the environmental crisis on the Bible. Hmm. Because in Genesis 1:28, it talks about God gave man dominion over the earth and he's to subdue it. Now, the White and some of the other ones then picked up on this. This is the Bible's fault. He said, our problem is religious. 
And until we change our religion, we're not going to solve the problem. But when you put down the Bible and then you start looking, well, if it's religious, what cultures have done a better job? Mm -hmm. And then you pull out the idea, well, they worship the earth, so maybe we should follow those principles. But you got to look at the whole picture. They were also exploiting the earth. Yeah. He also said, dress it and keep it. Right. Dress it and keep right. it, because it's his earth and his creation. So a man can subdue his environment. Otherwise, it will take over him, particularly if you live in the Northern Hemisphere or other places. Mm -hmm. So the other places, wild animals and things like that. But it's important for us to dress it and keep it, and to keep it as much as God made it as we can. Let, the principles, too, about dominion and subduing have to do with management. That we should be managing it as God would manage it. And if we use the principles in the Bible and would follow and be aware of environmental laws, then things would be different. Let, let's follow up on that. In fact, that goes hand in glove with a, con with a question that we have from our audience. Uh, here's the question. What are the ways we're going to clean it, that is the earth, clean it up after Christ's return? So let's, let's take this in two steps. Let, let's first talk about um, the here and now. What do we have in God's instruction book about, let's say, environmentalism and taking care? What are some examples of some of the principles? We've, we've actually touched on them up to this point, but let's, uh, let's do that, and then we'll, we'll talk about the future a little bit more. In the Bible, we actually have an environmental ethic. We have guidelines in the Bible for managing the earth. As I just mentioned, Genesis 1:28 talks about subduing and have dominion. In other words, you manage the earth. You take care of it like you would manage your home, like you would manage your garden. But there are principles on forestry. It talks about in Deuteronomy when you're besieging a city. Now, we don't advocate the military <laughs> attacks or whatever. But it said when you... Now, God inspired these things. When you besiege a city... Uh, you should not cut down the fruit trees because they're food. You can cut down other trees. Uh, it talks about if you find a bird's nest. Now, these are principles. You find a bird's nest, you can take the young, but you can't take the mother because the mother will lay more eggs. It would be the same thing in, in harvesting wildlife. You can take some, but you don't take everything. This whole idea today of industrial farming, industrial fishing, where you just go into an environment, you just take everything that's there. You're robbing, you're stealing uh, from the environment. What are some principles and <clears throat> that the Bible brings to bear on, on farming? What are some other principles? Yeah, just, to, just to add a little bit to what Dr. Neal said, I think he, what he said is extremely important. We talk about the statutes in the Bible, and, and they are about the very specific things. But what you can do is look at the statutes and find God's values and his mind in them. In other words, what's important? about this statute. For instance, the one about having a latrine when you're in the field or not taking the eggs of a bird and, and keeping, letting, letting the wildlife continue. What is the principle and what is the character of God in that statute? Take that principle and then apply it larger. That's magnifying the Word of God. But you have to look into what's here and find out about it. But there's, there's far more that we can do with these things than right. just the, the one, two, th the main things you mentioned. We also have the principle of the land Sabbath, where if you're farming, working with agriculture, you let portions of your land rest every seven years. And one of the things that does, it restores um, <clears throat> variety. It also uh, 
improves, improves soil fertility. You know, one of the problems today is soil compaction, where you drive these big, huge tractors and you squash everything down so you don't get any aeration. Uh, you let things go for a year. The root systems go down. These are all principles that are part of a biblical environmental ethic. We talk about uh, soil health, even the micronutrients that are that are able to uh, uh, able to be, uh, I would say, renewed uh, when the soil is allowed to lie without being open to the air. There's a lot of oxidation that goes on mm -hmm. with with micronutrients. Well, when it's rested, that uh, and and some frankly, some of the farming uh, techniques today recognize recognize that. I know. Some even talk about uh, being more careful about tilling, but by and large, we live in a monocultural system that um, is more about uh, the industrialization and, and greed, uh, unfortunately. So we have some principles uh, that we, we, we read in the Bible that make a great Bible study to go through all the principles that apply to caring for the earth, certainly for our, our audience, and, um, and we have some... Uh, some writings in the Tomorrow's World about that, uh, certainly. So we can uh, refer you to more further study. Let's let's go let's go to the future. Um, what kind of world do you do you see when these principles are applied? When when actually when Jesus Christ returns to this earth and establishes His kingdom on the earth, um, how do you see the environment? How do, how do you what what how would you view that world? That's mm. We don't have to speculate. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, Isaiah 35 talks about when Christ returns, the earth is going to blossom like a rose. The desert is going to blossom like a rose. You know, we lived in Phoenix for about four or five years, and it's a lot of desert. But every once in a while we had, once I think, a very wet spring, and all of a sudden there were flowers out there that was just grass, or just sand really before. But it says the, the, the desert is going to blossom like a rose. There's going to be streams in the wilderness. You know, if you leave the hills forested and it rains, that water is going to be released very slowly. We flew into the island of Haiti a number of years ago. And looking down from the plane, I thought, there's something wrong down there. Because you see where rivers should be, but there's no water. Mm -hmm. And I found out they, they get rid of a lot of the... Uh, they chopped down a lot of the wood on the hillsides mm. to make charcoal. <coughs> uh, so they denude the hillsides. When it rains, the water runs down the river quickly and it's gone. Mm -hmm. We flew into the island of Jamaica uh, a couple of days later, and all of a sudden there was water in the rivers, but there was also trees on the hillside. And if you manage the forests properly, there's going to be water in the rivers. Mm -hmm. So when, when things are run differently, this, this earth is going to change. I, I would agree completely, and uh, I think there'll be a change in attitude throughout the entire holy mountain of God. It's going to be a different approach and a different attitude that people are going to be doing. The problems of greed and so forth, uh, what we say, this is the way walking in it. They will have righteous direction in many of these things. But also, I think, in addition to just the cause and effect practical things, we'll have God's blessing. Once they start doing that, God will bless it. He says, I will cause this to happen. I will cause that to happen. And I think we can look forward um, to many of those factors in the kingdom. And even, even I enjoy speculating about it a little bit, too. It's fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, Revelation 5.10 says that the... Pre the uh, the saints are going to become kings and priests to reign on this earth with Jesus Christ. And I think we're going to have to have more than just biblical principles. You know, for a number of years I taught a conservation course 
where we, we, did, we studied forestry, we studied range management, we studied wildlife uh, management, we studied city planning, and there are biblical principles that when you combine that with a knowledge and an understanding of how the environment operates, uh, those things are going to come together in the kingdom of God. There's, a, there's actually the question that, that your answer really uh, <coughs> took, actually went right to the heart of the question. Should environmental policy, by, by the way, thank you to our audience for uh, giving some questions here. I'll just take one more here. Should environmental policy be guided by science? Well, as you said, there's a uh, science is studying and learning and, and accumulating knowledge that can be applied uh, properly. Uh, so I think you basically gave yeah. the answer before the question. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've taught conservation courses, I've taught health courses, science courses basically. And what was exciting to me was to find fundamental laws that agree with biblical principles. And if you only study the Bible and you don't study how God designed the earth to operate, then you're you're only using half of what we need to have. Gives us mm -hmm. principles and guidelines to, right. to the mind of God. Right. Uh, uh, another Just a, one, one thing I would ask everybody uh, about this. You were talking about what's a Christian's role and a Christian's uh, <coughs> attitude towards these things. And ask yourself this question, a good thing to meditate on. As a Christian, do you care about what God cares about where the environment is concerned? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you can look in God's Word and find out what He cares about, exactly like you just said. Do you care about it? Do I care about it? And our, what is our role in, in all of doing all of these things? So ask ourselves that question, meditate on it, and see what you come up with. I would say, you know, it's great to march the streets on Earth Day, but really what's more important is how you live your life on a daily basis. That's right. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's great to be a, a, a well, I would say actually it's, it's only the tip of the iceberg to, to say and to call out uh, slogans for environmentalism, but really what do we do in our daily life? I mean, that reflects our, the, our, our heart and, and mind. A couple, we just got a couple of minutes left, or about a minute here, so um, could you give, a, let's say, a summary statement of how someone who believes themselves to be living the Christian way of life, a biblically-based way of life, how we would approach the environment. Just a summary statement, okay? I'll give each of you a chance to, to conclude here, okay? I would suggest studying the biblical principles that apply to environmental management and maybe take a course in conservation to learn some of these things. You know, I was in a press conference a number of years ago with back in the 60s where they were going to bring down the U.S. government. And I talked to one of these young guys. I said, once you bring down the government, what's your plan? Hmm. And he just looked at me. Hmm. They didn't have any plan other than just make a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be preparing to reign on this earth to help restore the environment using biblical principles and also a knowledge of God's laws that he's designed to make the earth operate. Mm -hmm. To prepare. Mr. Wakefield? I would say two things. One, uh, I would recommend to people do is to go out and look at God's creation and see it mm -hmm. as well as you can. Look at the beauty of it, the, the, the birds, the way the trees are constructed, the, everything. The human body itself is fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at those things and try to see the elegance of God's mind in those things. And then, as Dr. Winnell was saying, look in, look in God's Word, see what He says, but find the mind of God in it and see how 
He cares about his principles as expressed in his laws and statutes and judgments, in his commandments, statutes, and judgments in the Bible. And find ways to apply those things in your Christian life and in your relationships with other people. Okay. You know, we know a restoration is coming, Acts chapter 3, verses 17, 18, and 19. I'd like to ask our audience, what, can you, what would you like to restore? Mm -hmm. What would you like to restore, and what is it going to take to restore these things? To become knowledgeable, to become useful, mm -hmm. and then you'll be prepared. Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you being with me here today on the TW Now. And I hope that you've enjoyed the discussion in our audience. And I hope that we have accomplished here just for a few minutes our goal of adding insight and maybe a little bit of a challenge to your thinking and your daily life of bringing the news events and items that are of concern in our daily life uh, into, into perspective through really uh, the words of the Bible and a godly way of thinking, a godly approach. Thanks for being with us here today, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>